Hi, I'm Shakira Ray, and welcome to Seeking Wisdom, where I host in-depth conversations about life and legacy with some amazing people. My guest today is the patriarch of my family, my cousin, James Bo Hemphill. As the family historian, I've had the opportunity to work with Cousin Bo over the past couple of years on his branch of the family tree. He is a great and wise man to know, and I'm excited for you to meet him. Here's our conversation. So we started working on your family tree in 2020. Why were you interested in getting it done? I was in intensive care for about four days. And so I, I figured, I said, this is about time for me to, you know, either start writing something down and, and recording this. Uh, uh, and um, and so, man, uh, you, uh, you and Shakira uh, was doing this thing here, and this was right up my alley. Uh, is uh, being able to uh, uh, convey uh, what what my experiences, and at the same time, uh, let the rest of the family know. Not only my my kids, but uh, the rest of the family who uh, uh, the rest of the extended family. Cousin Bo was born in 1939 in Washington County, Mississippi. He was delivered by his great-grandmother, a midwife, whom delivered most of her grandchildren and great-grands. What was Washington County like when you were a child? Racist. Uh, there wasn't many opportunities for, for Blacks. Um, and uh, it uh, was uh, hard to, uh, for, you know, Blacks to uh, make ends meet, you know, uh, have a decent living. There was a few who was lucky, but there was the vast majority of them who really had to scuffle. Born to a teen mom, he spent the first couple of years in her care before his great aunt Judy and her husband took him in and raised him. What was it like living with Aunt Judy and Uncle Josh? Well, it was... uh, it wasn't always uh, uh, easy or nice to live with St. Julian Uncle Josh because they were strict uh, disciplinarians. Uh, you know, what they told you to do something, they expect for you to do it when they told you, not when you felt like you wanted to do it. And that, that was one of the things. And they was uh, a God-fearing, uh, two God-fearing people. Uh, so... Uh, and I learned to uh, behave because if I didn't behave and do the thing that they told me to do, then I would get uh, whipping. So, uh, you know, after a while of getting so many whippings, uh, as a young kid, I decided that my best bet was to do the right thing. When Cousin Bo was a child, not only did he have to contend with Aunt Judy and Uncle Josh's house rules, but those of Jim Crow as well. Jim Crow was the name of the racial caste system which operated primarily, but not exclusively, in the South between 1877 and the mid-1960s. Jim Crow was more than a series of rigid anti-Black laws. It was a way of life. Under Jim Crow, African Americans were relegated to the status of second-class citizens. There was two theaters in town. The Lincoln Theater, which was for all Black, and the Paramount Theater, which... Uh, you know, received both blacks and 
white, but there was stipulations. And um, this particular movie, you know, I went to and uh, where the blacks was in the movie uh, from the side door uh, and had to walk up a dingy uh, stairwell uh, to get to the balcony. And the uh, the balcony was uh, was hot because uh, heat uh, rises in the lower part of the theater was air conditioned, so the cool air stayed down there where the white uh, uh, patient uh, clients was. So uh, it, it so happened that uh, that it was a popular movie and. Uh, the uh, uh, the upstairs was full, and uh, they turned me down. Say you can't go up there because you got the quota uh, already up there already. You can't we can't put any more people upstairs. So I uh, went around front where the white uh, entered and paid to go in, and their area was uh, flush with. Uh, you know, um, you might say uh, cushion seats and backs and uh, and red runners going down the aisle and and cool air conditioning. I could feel the air conditioning coming out of the door as I approached the uh, the the place where you pay to go into the movie. And the movie at that time was only fifteen cents, so I threw my fifteen cents up on the counter and said I liked it go in and see the movie. And this white girl was there and she said, you can't go in there. I said, uh, why can't I? I got 15 cents up here. Why can't I go in? And she got loud and and loud enough to uh, uh, warn the other, uh, the other people that's working there. And they start approaching me, you know, uh, where I was. So, I uh, decided, I said, well, let me grab my 15 cents and get the heck out of here. Um, and so that's what I did. So I rushed on out. But that was a situation where, you know, blacks were separated, but I was pushing the envelope, you know, and seeing if I could get in, but, you know, to no avail. That was 1950, and just five years before Cousin Bo decided to move north. I come up here uh, a year before I decided to come up here from permanently. And uh, I was with my siblings, uh, Mac, Dale, and Fanny, and uh, with my mother, who I hadn't uh, spent a whole lot of time with, uh, none of them in my lifetime because I stayed with Aunt Judy uh, most, of, uh, most of my life up to that, up to that point. And so, and I knew that the education uh, was here was a little bit better uh, and, uh, than what it was down there. And uh, and I wanted to take advantage of uh, that, that thing, you know. And uh, plus the fact that my Aunt Judy, uh, uh, bless her soul, she had made the statement that uh, she was going to take me out of school when I got in the ninth grade because there was uh, any use to going past the ninth grade because uh, the, uh, uh, the the people that 
even came out of school with uh, A straight A students, you know, they couldn't go to college. They couldn't afford to go to college. And uh, and they was uh, doing the same thing that people couldn't read or write, like going out in the fields, picking cotton or cleaning somebody's house. Uh, then couldn't uh, uh, get a trade, get in a trade, anything like that. Uh, so she felt that the other three years was a waste of time of uh, of going to school. And so, uh, you know, I could see her point there, but at the same time, I just wanted a better chance in life. And so I thought I could get it up here. Cousin Bo excelled at his new school, lettering in football, basketball, and track. What did you do after high school? Well, I went to college uh, after my, uh, you know, after my high school and stayed a year. And I ended up dropping out after a year. And uh, I ended up getting married. And uh, as far as the trade is concerned, I ended up getting into a trade, but I only got the trade after I had spent a couple of years in the in the army. And uh, and I got in this trade th- uh, through my uh, being in the army and uh, got into a carpentry trade uh, and spent uh, four years uh, as an apprentice and became a journeyman after that. And the rest is history. His skills as a carpenter have surely paid off, starting with his first home that he bought in the 60s. Um, A good friend of mine uh, by the name of Lonnie Clark, we both uh, worked together at the water company. And uh, he... uh, uh, told me about this deal that he was uh, getting with this uh, uh, contractor who was building the house up in Dr. Ellis' edition in Nevada. And uh, he said, uh, you don't have to pay it. Uh, have a down payment. What you do is uh, you either paint, uh, put down flooring, or tile flooring, or you do some other kind of work to... Uh, to substitute for your uh, down payment. And so I, you know, that sounds seemed like a good deal to me. So what I did is, uh, uh, you know, got a house right next to Lonnie and I did, did the work. And that's how I ended up getting the first house. He later built an addition to his home and made all of the furniture for it. When it was time to sell it and find a new home, he settled for an empty lot, drew up the plans, and built the home he is still living in today. As a carpenter, Cousin Bo also worked for the University of Illinois for 35 years before retiring in the late 90s. How have you been spending retirement? Uh, basically, doing what I want to do. Uh, like, uh, one, of, one of the things that I love doing is playing golf. Uh, another thing I love done is pitting around in the garage. At least I used to. I don't do as much of that now. You know, uh, making different things. And also, during the summertime, I uh, I work out in the garden, uh, growing things and, uh, uh, you know, vegetables and stuff like that. Most of it I give away. Sometimes I, I, I can a little bit of it for, for, one, for one time like now. 
I get a lot of yeast out of it. I like to make chili and, and beef stew and stuff like that. So uh, I have the, the raw ingredients to, uh, to make all that stuff. How long have you been playing golf? Well, I started playing golf, uh, oh boy. I guess I was, I, I just gotten out of service. Uh, oh, back in the, uh, back in, back in the sixties. And, uh, this, uh, and I was working part time for, for this, these two Jewish fellows who had the liquor store. And, uh, a good friend of mine, Herb Nesbitt also worked there part time. Uh, you know, he worked for the U.S. Uh, Mail, the Postal Department, and so uh, I working for I was working at the uh, uh, water company. So they asked us, uh, "Did we know how to play golf?" And we said, "No." You know, he said, "Well, would you like to Would you like to go and play golf with us?" So uh, I said, "You know, uh, Herbert, I said, "Yeah, we don't mind." So, uh, so we went out. And I said, "Well, what 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 clubs are we going to use?" Say, "You can use my, you can use clubs out of my bag." You know, so we ended up using clubs out of their bag. Went out and played, uh, uh, played around the golf. And uh, but the reason, one reason we played the round of golf with them, not at a uh, country club or anything like that, because at that particular time. The town, uh, the community, was anti-Jewish, and uh, they, um, from what they told Herb and I, that uh, they couldn't join the uh, the, uh, the country club. So they end up playing with us, and that's how I got introduced to golf. And from that time, what I did, the next day, I went to the Salvation Army. And looking around, saw this uh, golf bag with, with some golf clubs in it for twelve dollars and fifty cents, and so I gobbled it up right away. And and I, that's what I played with for quite some time until I was able enough to get me a decent decent set of clubs. In nineteen eighty, he started playing organized golf with the Duck Hookers. Now, cousin Bo knows I know nothing about golf, so he went on to explain. And the hookers is a it, it, it is a form of a golf term when you hook a ball uh, in flight. That's that's a that's a hook. It's not a it's not anything uh, like uh, people of the night uh, like that. It's the <laughs> it, if you if you catch my drift, you know. Yes, I'm I got it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a legitimate term <laughs> that, that golfers use. <laughs> Besides golf, cousin Bo walks a few miles a day and works out on his total gym a few days a week to stay in shape. As a black man living in this country, I also asked him how he manages his mental health. Oh. That's a good question. Uh, you know, myself, I uh, 
I think you have to be honest with yourself and 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 and, and, and approach your situation in a in a civil uh, manner. Uh, on my job, I always uh, approach my uh, my problem head on, you know, and using uh, the best tack I know in order to uh, get the uh, the best uh, results. And uh, and at the same time, being as honest as you possibly can. And so when you uh, exit a situation, then you don't feel uh, you don't feel bad about it. You, you feel you can feel somewhat relieved that what you have done uh, is uh, taking a bad situation, made it better, and you feel good about it. And hopefully, at the end. The other party feels just as well. What I have learned most about Cousin Bo these past couple of years is how much family means to him. He is a family man that loves his family, not just his immediate family, but us cousins too. He has helped me a great deal with our family tree, providing nicknames, pictures, and stories of my ancestors that you can't find in a census record. For my final question, Cousin Bo, how do you want to be remembered? Well, that's that's a good question too. Uh, remember me as uh, someone who's who's kind, who's uh, has uh, easy going, uh, and uh, and someone that they can look up to as being uh, someone they can like. Take an example from life, uh, but uh, you know, other than that, uh, you just look at me. Look, uh, look at me as a good person, someone who uh, who don't want to do a bad thing. Just want to be be nice. And it's it's not. And I I found out it's not hard to be nice. It's easy to be nice regardless of who you're dealing with. Okay, did you catch the pearls? If you don't already have a family tree, start on it now. When dealing with conflict, be direct. You'll feel better in the end. And lastly, it's not hard to be nice. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join me for the next conversation. Like and follow at Generations to Remember on Facebook and Instagram to stay in touch with me. And Cousin Bo, as always, it was great talking with you, and I look forward to working on more branches of our family tree together.
Okay, did you catch the pearls? If you don't already have a family tree, start on it now. When dealing with conflict, be direct. You'll feel better in the end. And lastly, it's not hard to be nice. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join me for the next conversation. Like and follow at Generations to Remember on Facebook and Instagram to stay in touch with me. And Cousin Bo, as always, it was great talking with you, and I look forward to working on more branches of our family tree together.